As I'm sure our regular listeners have probably realised, Will and I have a thing for sport. Our senior years at high school involved many hours spent working away at our mediocre batting techniques, all in anticipation of our next opportunity to test ourselves against our competitions on the weekend. Now, what we didn't realise at the time was that the lessons and processes we were implementing then would last well beyond our ill-fated attempts at crafting in innings on a Saturday. Our next guest, John Buchanan, was at the helm of one of the great dynasties Australian cricket has ever seen. Working in tandem with Captain Ricky Ponting, John led the Australian cricket team to a world record 16 consecutive Test match victories and 23 ODI victories in World Cup tournaments. Among these wins were Ashes series, a 36-year drought-breaking tour of India and a hat-trick of World Cup wins. Knockers of John will say that he inherited the right team at the right time. But those who properly understand his methodology and his record beyond the Australian team, including taking the Queensland Bulls to their first ever Sheffield Shield title, will understand that there was method to his madness. John understands leadership. He never played at the test level, but he never had to. John knew how to get the most out of his players, and it is his current goal to teach business leaders how to get the most out of their employees. The business marketplace is absolutely no different. It is a place where people compete and test their skills against opposition. Poor performance is held accountable by undesirable results, and high performance is rewarded with success. Hello, and welcome back to The Business Of. My name is Charlie Self. And I'm Will Chapman. Today, John explains the importance of his lunchtime runs around the Brisbane River in his attempts to define his coaching philosophy. He explains the importance of challenging your team to feel uncomfortable and the utmost importance of remaining consistent in your message. We hope you enjoy. So, John, thanks for being here with us. Yeah, lovely, Charlie, and well nice to be here. Yeah, I guess we'll start out with, um, you know, your appointment as Australian cricket coach. So how did that come about? How were you appointed to coach, you know, the national team of Australia? Australian team. So um, rewind the clock a little bit. As we just said there, uh, Charlie mentioned, uh, started in November 99, which was here in Brisbane. Um, But five years earlier... uh, in 94-95 season, I applied for the Queensland Bulls coaching role. Mm. Jeff Thompson had been coach, and um, I basically had to stack up my one year of uh, poor first-class performances <laughs> against the legend of the game. So it was... Um, one you year know, more than most of us, John. <laughs> yes, oh well, that's true to get to some degree. But, um, you know, I, I think um, when we talk about the business of and and, uh, people in business and and sort of leaders and how you create, you know, world-class performance. That was a really important point for me. Yeah. Uh, Because as we sit here, you know, we look out over the the Brisbane River. Mm. And back in uh, 94, that's basically how I carved out my own philosophy and principles of of coaching because... Mm. If I was going to apply for this this role that Jeff Thompson had, I couldn't bring a cricket pedigree to the table, but I had to actually bring something to the table that other coaches couldn't bring. Mm. My belief was it was my background, so when I came into, or at least applying for professional coaching, you know, I'd done a heck of a lot of other things in my life up until that point, apart from having five children as well. Yeah, wow. So, <laughs> so I needed to be able to understand why I did what I did. Yeah. You know, so so I used to head out along this the the the, uh, the tracks here around the river and just run and think and and gradually piece together uh, what my philosophy was and therefore when I 
had the opportunity to apply for the, the Queensland role, then I was able to come to them and, and say, look, if all they wanted, because Queensland never won a Sheffield Shield at that stage, mm. if, if all they wanted was a coach that was there to win them the Holy Grail, mm. then I wasn't the right person. You might as well continue with Jeff Thompson or you continue with other people who had a, a very good, strong coaching pedigree. But my view was it was about us creating a vision for, for the Bulls and mm. if we could do that and then understand the sort of the systems and processes that might get us there, mm. then we'd have a good chance of winning the Sheffield Shield, but not only have a good chance of winning the Sheffield Shield, but we'd also have a chance to repeat it. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, so the, yeah, that, that was the vision that I pitched to them. That was about dominating domestic cricket for the next 10 years and then it was all about system and process, how we were going to change the system. So anyway, you know... Winding for a little bit, we won the Sheffield Shield that first season, um, wow. and then uh, won it again uh, two years later, and and won a couple of domestic titles. So, by the time I applied for the Australian job, I'd, I'd had five seasons of pretty successful coaching with Queensland, mm. and that sort of gave me the opportunity then to when that job came because Jeff Marsh was was coach. Um, at that point in time, Mark Taylor had been captain. Jeff Marsh stood down for personal reasons, yeah. and uh, so the job became open. And it really became a two-horse race, I think, between myself and Steve Rickson, who was the New South yeah. Wales coach. Um, or, in fact, in that stage, he might have even been coaching um, Sri Lanka, I think. I'm not, I can't quite remember. But anyway, yeah. um, and I, I do think one of my strongest allies going into that, strangely enough, was Steve Waugh who mm. obviously was a New South Welshman and you'd think he'd support yeah. Steve Rickson, but <laughs> he wanted something different. He wanted uh, a different approach to coaching and, and a different way that the team and the culture of the team should operate. And so mm. I think he was a really strong supporter of me in terms of my um, wanting to do the job. So, yeah, mm. that started in November 99. Yeah, very interesting there because mm. you speak about creating a vision and um, systems and processes that will yield long-term success and repeat, repeated long-term success. The, tr the parallels between business and sport in that sense, I feel are definitely there. And is that something um, you're now at um, John Buchanan Business Coaching, correct? And then is that something you seek to implement through that business? Yes, look, always. Uh, you know, it's, it's the same as anything in life, I suppose. Or, you know, you can talk about goals and so on, but it always seems to me... Um, you got to know where you're going, mm. right? If, you, if you've got a sense of where you're going and then you understand where you're at, then that gives you then the strategy to take you from where you are to where you want to be. So mm. vision always to me is uh, so important and, and vision is not just a target, you know, so it's not just a business saying, well, we want to be more profitable or we want a greater market share. Um, it, it, to me, it, it needs to be something that that transcends, if you like, current work practice because mm -hmm. in the end you want to change the way in a sense that people think about their their daily jobs i mean mm. so in other words if you can create an environment that's really stimulating and challenging because you're actually aspiring to be something different in business so for me um, the vision for any business needs to be sort of shaped around how do we dominate our marketplace, whatever that marketplace mm. might be, it, mm. whether you're a really small business or whether you're, a, you know, a, an enterprise, a, a multinational. How do we 
within the rules of the game because everybody's got, <laughs> everybody's got, everybody's got rules to play in. Um, the Australian cricket team would know a few things about the rules <laughs> of the game. That, that, that's right. And so if you step outside the rules of the game, you should be penalised. There's absolutely 100%. no doubt about that, yeah, either yeah. individually or collectively. Hmm. Uh, but within the rules of the game, how do we play a different game to everybody else? Yeah. You know? And so mm-hmm. somewhere that's bound in your vision and then from the vision that I think is created by the the leader, he or she then have got to actually inspire the rest of the team, the business, the organisation mm. to follow that, that dream. Mm. Mm. What I'm interested about is you obviously had, you know, a brilliant vision for the Australian mm. cricket team. But, you know, when you're up against someone like Steve Rickson, like how do you sell yourself to the people appointing the head coach? Because... It must be hard because you, you, you must know internally, you know, you've got a great vision for the team. You've, mm. you've got confidence that you can be successful in the role. But obviously you had those Sheffield Shield wins. Yes. But how do you go about selling that vision to or Steve Waugh and then the, I guess, the board who's yeah. appointing the role? Like, how do you go about that? Mm. Yeah, well, again, um, same thing, I, I suppose, in any uh, transaction between uh, a business and a client, um, it is about, well why should we trust you? Why yeah. should we buy into you? Yeah. you know, why wouldn't we take on something that's kind of tried and true? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So... Because a lot of the ways you went about... Sorry to interrupt yeah, you, yeah, no, A lot no. of the ways you went about your coaching were considered to be slightly ab- abstract yeah. and different, yeah. weren't they? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and that was, I guess, what I sold in the end. I mean, I was mm. selling not the same product, mm. you know, as, as coaches had been because basically in... in the cricket arena, most coaches had come from, and, it, and it's still the case, not just in cricket, but in sport generally, yeah. most coaches come from a very strong playing background, you yeah. know, and, yeah. and then move directly into coaching, whereas I came from a, uh, you know, a, a solid playing background, but not to the level that uh, most other coaches have been. Mm. But then I, yeah, I basically went out and did a whole range of other things, and I, mm. and I always believed that that is a huge plus for any coach or any leader to come back into a team to have a uh, just a, a whole broader portfolio of experiences because mm. in the end, to me, that's what is part of the my principles anyway. It's about the whole person. So it, it is then about not just ensuring that a cricket athlete or a business athlete is good at their job, which is obviously what you want them to be. That's yeah. really important because... Mm. That's what they do. If you if you're in business, you've got a role in a in, a, in an organisation. One, you want to do that the best way you possibly can because one potentially that guarantees you employment. Uh, <laughs> it, it possibly gives you opportunities for promotion uh, and a, and a bit of security and all those sort of things that are wrapped around that. So, uh, cricket athletes, no different. Uh, they want to get out on their stage, show people how good they are. Mm. with the skills that they've got, which then hopefully ensures them selection and, and contracts and so on. So to some degree, no different. But to me, if all I did was then leave them inside the dressing room or all you do is leave your staff inside the, the business house, mm. then I think as a coach or a leader, you're actually letting them down. Mm. Um, so for me, it was then trying to take them outside of their comfort zone, outside of the dressing room and expose them to other things. So that was one part of what I was selling if you like mm. to um, uh, to the organization but to give you um, a really uh, a clear example so there I was I got the job mm. and um, 
you know, six years on, uh, 2005, we went to England and lost the Ashes. Mm. And uh, as we'd all appreciate in, in sport in Australia, most people can do most things most of the time. Mm. Yeah. But there's one thing you can't do, and that's lose to the Pops. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> particularly the Ashes. So, um, you know, basically the board said, well, you've got three weeks when you come back uh, to justify why you should still be coached. Oh, you're kidding. Really? Yeah. <laughs> because, um, you know, the, the schedule was such that we'd finished over there in yeah. August and then we had a World 11 and then a whole series of games that were starting in October. So so there was a period of time where they, they said, yeah, well, you know, come and tell us why you should still be coach. Um, and if you can, great. If you can't, well, they can move on to the, you know, the next person. So... Uh, and I again reflect on that in terms of leaders in business, and and most leaders in business will have faced these questions at some stage. Mm. You you two are a little bit younger, you may, <laughs> may, maybe not have faced it just yet, but you probably you probably will. And and so going back to this notion of vision and my I guess my principles and philosophies. First question was, could I still make a difference with the team? So I've been there six years. We'd won pretty well most things, but here we were, we'd lost an Ashes. Mm. And so could I still make a difference uh, with the team? And that wasn't just, you know, adjusting the microphones, the volume and the, you know, the positioning. It was, you You're know, on fire today, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. That's right. So it, it was really about could I still really make a difference in that team? Second question mm. then was, did I really want to? You know, so it, it's a like any leadership role, but but sport is and, and and cricket coaching is that you're away such a long period of time. You know, you're away from home, two fifty nights a year at least. Um, you're under the gaze of the media. You're dealing with players on and off the field. You know, all the time. The, the job is really three sixty five days a year. So mm. you know, so do you still really want to do it? Or did I still have the passion? Did I still have the desire to do it so mm. that was the second question mm. and then the third question I had to go to the players you know I had to go to the, the leadership guys you know the, the Pontings the Gilchrist the Haydens the Langers etc mm. to ask them whether or not they still respected me and still would have me in the job if mm. I was offered the job so anyway kind of long story short I was able to get yes out of all those mm. and therefore I was then able to go to the board and say right well here's the the picture for the next 20 months, <laughs> which took us to the uh, end of World Cup 2007. And in that, going back to my vision, the, my vision with the Australian team was always around Everest, which was always about changing the game, always about trying mm. to do things differently. Mm. And so the Everest then was, well, we had three tournaments, you know, that uh, Australia won and never won a, an ICC trophy. The Poms were coming back out so we could get the Ashes back. And then it was going to the World Cup which was an opportunity to win three World Cups in a row. So that was kind of the Everest. And then, the, as I said before, if, if you understand where you are now and you understand where you want to be, mm. then how do you get there? And, the, and therefore the strategy was about being the, the best skilled team the world had ever seen. And, you know? yeah. So that drove all the planning, the thinking, the scheduling, you name it, to, to, to get there. And mm. you, you rattled off some pretty successful cricketers there, like Hayden, Gilchrist, Ponting. Mm. How do you go about keeping guys who are so successful still driven to achieve more because like that I, I think there's a lot of people and you hear it in cricket oh okay got to 50 you've done your job had but even over if you extrapolate that over five ten years in the game how do you keep those people giving you the output that 
is ultimately your job to get them yep. to give. How do you, yeah, how do you keep yeah. them on? Look, well, I mean, my, my job again, um, again, as I always saw it, was, was creating an environment that was stimulating and challenging you know, mm. uh, to individuals and, and, and the collective. Mm. Uh, so um, just going back to that very quick story, in that 20-month um, period, one of the challenges to the team then was that we, we called it Target 400. And, and that was that we were going to be the first team in a one-day game to score 400. Nobody else had ever done that. Mm -hmm. And and I just believe we could. I, th I believe we had the skills. Um, and, and so going to your point, then that to me was always, always on the agenda. Mm. How do we create an environment in here that really challenges, no matter who they are, whether it was a Warner or a McGrath or the players that we just mentioned, something that's really challenging for them and that they aspire to be either individually and collectively. So that's that's one of the jobs. The second job, I think, and it, and it applies to business, is that it comes back to recruitment, it comes back to mm. uh, retention uh, of people in your business. So, you know, we were fortunate, obviously, we were playing international cricket, so most of the players that came into that environment wanted to be there and wanted to stay there, <laughs> yeah, you know. Yeah. Um, but when you take it into a business context, hopefully in your recruitment process, you're actually identifying people that want to take the business forward, mm -hmm. you know. And, and it, it's so crucial at that point that you begin to get the right people. Hopefully you've got the right culture, you've got the right leadership and combine all those things, then you can challenge individuals to keep wanting to be better mm. uh, within your business. And if they want to be better, then the business will be better and then we can keep pushing that you mm. know, further forward. So that was really, to me, always the process that, one, create a, a picture mm. about where we want to be because, again, as I said, they're elite athletes and, and they always wanted to be on top. Mm. Um, so if we can create a vision that shows them that's where we want to be, then, then it's back to creating those um, situations which is going to consistently challenge those individuals to be there. And if they if they can't match it, um, then obviously there's a deselection process. They, mm. they no longer become part of the team. And that, I think, is pretty important in business, that uh, one, leaders uh, of, you know, smaller teams, bigger teams or the organisation really need to understand what makes people tick. You know, they've got, to, they've got to invest time in their invest time in knowing their people, and once they do that, then they can really go about challenging them. Mm. Mm. And pe people aren't always going to respond positively to being challenged, are they? Because no. I, I understand um, it was pro it was never your goal to necessarily be like uh, necessarily be the best mate of some of your players, but it was definitely your goal to get the most out of them. And um, in doing that, sometimes. Um, would you say you were willing to forgo potentially being considered their best buddy to get get more output out of them on, on field? Yeah, look, um, I didn't set out not to be their friend. Uh, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, you know, from my point of view, yeah, and, and I think most people's point of view, you, you like to have a very good relationship with all your players and mm. support staff and stuff. But mm. ultimately, as you're saying, in the end, if you try to please everybody, you end up pleasing nobody. So mm. it... it does not become a popularity contest. You know exactly what it is you're trying to achieve, how you want to get there, and there needs to be obviously good support from within the group to, to drive that, but 
yeah, definitely you, you're going to run into conflicts all the way through because you're just dealing with people mm. and and everybody has their own agendas for whatever reason, whether they're a close ally or whether, whether they're not. Mm. At certain times, you know, in their career, um, Adam Gilchrist, who's just a, a good mate and uh, just a strong ally in the team, you know, we were, I mentioned that target 400. Um, one of the things that eventually we arrived at was, you know, some of our basics were just not good enough. And mm. one of those basics mm. for me was running between wickets. So, mm. you know, I showed them in, in vision how some guys did it well, but most didn't. Mm. Then we put it into training sessions about how we actually understand running between wickets better, you know, just running in straight lines and, and getting in power positions and being able to turn properly. And uh, in this particular game, Adam Gilchrist, who was at, <coughs> in Melbourne, excuse me, in Melbourne, and uh, he was almost run out a couple of times <laughs> in, the, in the first couple of overs. Then he was out early and stormed into the dressing room and you know threw everything down. He said, "That's the last time I'm listening to you, coach." You know, <laughs> all I could think out there was about running between wickets. I couldn't even bat. You know, so uh, even your strongest allies at different times. Uh, you will come into conflict with because there are certain things that, that you know really need to be done and you know the, the, the difficulty for the athlete or the staff person mm. is that they're in competition mm. right so, so all they want to do and, yeah. and all your staff want to do is get into competition and have as good a day as you possibly can have yeah. right? mm. um, and, and you don't need any extra static in terms of just being able to deal with what's in front of you. Yeah. But of course, if, if that's all you do day by day, then we're not improving. Mm. So as a coach, my job was, yes, to try to allow them uh, as much as possible just to go out and play. Mm. But at the same stage, because the Australian team only comes together in competition, mm. just like a business, you only come together in competition, which you have every day. Mm -hmm. um, so somewhere in there, you've got to run in parallel this idea of challenging and, and mm. stimulating and changing things. Mm. So that makes it difficult sometimes um, for EG and Adam Gilchrist to say, <laughs> no. well, I do need to improve my running between wiggers, but gee, if that's all I'm thinking about, then I can't go and do my job properly. Exactly. You know, so. Gilly would have been trying to do the target 400. Yeah. 400 off his own bat. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Okay, John. So just thought I'd hone in on the John Buchanan business coaching for a bit. So firstly, who are your clients and what are the main links between, you know, the successful businesses you do see um, and what are the commonalities between them? Yes. Yeah, look, um, well, firstly, the, the clients can be quite wide-ranging. However, mm. the leadership has to have a sense of... in adverted commas, what's world class? Yeah. Mm. Right? So w what does that mean in their industry, um, you know, to their business? And do they actually want to take their business to this notion of world class? Yeah. So that, that's step one. Um, then from there, then it's really about, well, understanding the principles that, that operate in, in creating a world class team. You know, mm. and um, and some of those pillars we've already talked about. You know, there needs mm. to be a, a clear vision set by the, the leader, and mm. you know, clear strategies to take you there. Yeah. Then we sort of talk about leadership, but I, I call it a leadership culture. So, 
that revolves around the leaders walking the walk, talking the talk. You know, mm. so there's no sense in um, a CEO or a you know a, a team leader saying, well, we want you know um, this sort of discipline, uh, we want these actions and these behaviours, and then that person doesn't live and breathe mm. Mm. because why should anybody else do it? Mm. So the leaders must walk the walk. Then then there is creating everybody as a leader. So this is a notion of everybody being their own best coach. So in any role, whether it be a sportsman's role or a sportsperson's role uh, or, a, or a business role, every role has at least four elements to it, which is certain technical skills, mm-hmm. you know. So here we are with yourselves, you know, we're doing a <laughs> podcast. So you've got certain technical skills to get all this <laughs> equipment together, assemble, <laughs> and then it's actually recording. Yeah, right? That's so, very, yeah. so then it's there very, are... That's very generous. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, it seems to be going all right so far. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, then there are physical skills in every role, you know. So again, you guys have arrived for this and, you know, you're up for the conversation. Mm. You know, you're not sort of half asleep or, you know, you, uh, you've had your coffee or you've got, <laughs> got your water or whatever it is. But, but then, of course, you've got to get through the day and then, then you front up again tomorrow, you know. So yeah. the, mm. the, there, there are physical skills in every role. Then there's the mental skills, you know. So, again, as we're going through this, um, you're, you're, I, I know I'm making an assumption, but I don't think I'm too far off the mark you're both sort of switched into the conversation. So you, mm. you're mm. listening, you're hearing, and then there's something that I might say, and then you'd grab onto that, and then you yeah. ask another question, you yeah. know? So, so this ability... Hang on, John, don't give away all our secrets, mate. <laughs> <laughs> so, so there's this ability to be able to switch on and switch off, you yeah. know, which is, yeah. which is all about, and you see it more so in longer duration sports like cricket, yeah. how do individuals be able just to to stay, you know, you call it concentration. Yeah. But concentration really is probably for a maximum of three to five seconds, mm. if that, you know, um, because either you bowl a ball or you face a ball or you field a ball, right? Mm. Yeah. Um, and so when that's finished, then you've got to switch off. Mm. Um, and, and then when play almost becomes live again, you switch back on. So th- th- there's routines, mental skills, and then there's the tactical skills, you know, your knowledge, your experience, people around you, mm-hmm. uh, the internet, all those sort of things that you bring to play, you know. Yeah. So so um, that's why I say everybody needs to be their own best coach. They need to know how all those skills play out in their job so they can turn up every day and, mm. and try to give it their best. Um, and, and then, uh, you know, world-class systems. So in a business context, you know, what are all our systems, whether it be financial systems, whether it be IT systems, remuneration systems, whatever it might be, mm. uh, are they at leading edge or do we know what leading edge looks like? What, mm. Which are the systems that are going to make most impact on our staff? And so, you know, when I started with Queensland back in that 94, there was no, no such thing as computer technology mm. at that stage. So. And I wasn't, I wasn't a computer expert at all, mm. but I just did believe that beyond our ordinary sort of conversations and team meetings where mm. individuals might make comment, mm. we could make that far better and more precise if we could actually present it in a way that uh, enabled people to see things either by way of analysis of the opposition mm or by way of feedback back to the, the person. So so system and process, and then I've already mentioned the, the learning environment. The learning environment is about that stimulation and, and mm. challenge. You know, mm. you, you want people to grow. And, and if that means, you know, they grow out of your organisation, well, so be it. 
but you've made a contribution to their not only business life but their life you know so mm. and then the last two is, is around talent so if, if you want to be world class you've got to find ways and means of bringing world class talent mm. into your organisation mm. you know so for, for us obviously game changers like Warner McGrath potentially Gilchrist, Ponding, those sort of people. Mm. You can't do special things. You can't dominate your marketplace mm. without those sorts of people, mm. you know. And there, are, there's more to it than that. I mean, it's then your training system. So if we want higher skilled people, well, we need to understand what are the skills that we want, mm. how do we put in our training systems to develop that, and then I go back to this notion of recruitment or what are the type of skills that we need to bring in. in mm. the and then finally... Success measures. How do you know you're on track to dominate your marketplace? And and yes, there are all the result numbers, mm. right? And just like sport, you know, you look at the scoreboard and you can see individual results and yeah. you can see team results. Mm. But sitting in underneath that, what are the process measures? What are the things that are telling you that if we keep doing these things, it's going to head us in the right direction? So mm. going back to your long answer, but, yeah. but they're the things that, that are really important to me in terms of what I do and what I then take into yeah. a business organisation. Mm. Now, um, John, one thing that really interests me is you're not always going to get, like, and you speak about how you spent a lot of time figuring out your philosophy on things. You're not always probably going to get that right necessarily the first time, are you? And I suppose over time, how have you gone about where you've put in place processes, sorry, and I should differentiate processes mm. to philosophy, but where you've put in place processes that you thought would work with a particular group, how do you go about potentially readjusting them and seeing, you know, do you have like points along the way, like for a business, you go you, points along the way where you go, oh, okay, we need to change this. How, do, how have you gone about that process? Yeah. Well, look, I think um, if you really spend time to understand your philosophy and principles in the first place it mm. shouldn't deviate too much you okay. know my mm. so that was back in 94 and my philosophy and principles are still there they're, they're just the same wow. um now i can't imagine they become my reference points yeah. all the time i can't yeah. imagine the ceos are running around the river with you <laughs> no, <laughs> <I'll say>. no, <laughs> but, but you know that that just happened to be the way i did it you yeah, know, yeah. That, that was my quiet place, place where I could go and think yeah exactly yeah and, and yeah. ceos and whoever they are they've all you've all got your own philosophies you know mm. you're enacting them every day but my point was which was then uh i hadn't stopped to think about them you mm. know yeah. i hadn't stopped to actually understand why i did what i did it's really interesting because mm. what leadership is about and what coaching is about what parenting is about it's just about relationships so the staff member the athlete uh the the child of a of, of you know, dad or a mum, all they want out of that leader is consistency. Yeah. Uh, meaning that I turn up today um, the same way as I turned up yesterday. I might, I might have a slightly different mask on, you know, I might have a grumpy face or I yeah. might have a smiley face or, you know, I might be saying a lot of things I may not be saying, but that's a mask. Underneath that, the messages are the same because yeah. they all relate to my principles and philosophies, right? Mm. Um, and and so that that's one of the keys to good leadership, good coaching, is that that needs to be the same because otherwise, the staff member of the athlete then says, "Oh, gee, who's John today? I, I a completely different person. Mm. So how can I trust him? How can I how can I really believe in this relationship when 
you know, he's he's supportive one day and then the next day, wow, I'm saying exactly the same things or doing the same things and I'll get a completely different response. Yeah. Mm. You know, so so firstly, yeah, if you put time and, and into that and, and mate, you know, like you can tinker around the edges. You can tinker around it. We can always, um, going back to those skills, you know, technical, physical, mental, tactical, mm. that's kind of where we tinker around the edges because we can always improve those sort of things, you know, mm. and yeah. then you'll get 360s and disc reports and Hogan's and all those sort of things mm. that will give you uh, an idea on, on how you operate, how people um, respond to you and see you. Mm. Uh, but ultimately, that's based on who you are, right? Mm. So, yes, I can I can adjust that a little bit, but in the end, I am who I am, and, mm. and you guys are pretty well who you are. Mm. You, you can tinker, but you're pretty well who you are. Um, and so when you then go to process... That is a different story because based on my philosophy and principles, then I'm actually going to try certain things. Mm. You know, I'm going to experiment with certain things. Um, and, and I'm going to get pushback. Mm. You know, um, again, an example that comes to mind in, in our one-day team, uh, in the Australian one-day team, um, you know, at the, at the end of games, I, I wanted them, one, to see their own performance because they like seeing their own performances, you know. Mm, yeah. But I also wanted them to under, see some things that we were measuring as trends uh, in terms of if, if we wanted to reach target 400 or whatever it might have been, mm. we needed to see certain things improving. So I wanted to show them their contribution to that. So, that, you know, there was kind of detailed feedback reports. Mm. Yeah. But eventually I had players coming to me and saying, great, but too much. Too mm. much information, you know, or we, you're overloading us. Yeah. So, okay, right. So pull back on that and now find another way to uh, influence them in terms of the sort of things that we needed to do to get to where we wanted to be. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I think you're always uh, experimenting mm. and, and some things will work for a while, but then, then what you find is that they become a bit blasé about them, you know, like, because they've become so regular, then yeah. they lose their impact. Yeah. So, so how do we actually change that around to uh, make impact again? Mm. It's interesting because, yeah, I know I've, I've, a lot of workplaces will do things like team huddles and stuff like that at the start of the day or yeah. during, during the middle of the day. And, like, often they're really, really, really good at doing them for, like, a week, you know, like a month, two months, three months. But then there'll be a busy period and you'll go away from it or there'll mm. be, you know what I mean? Mm. And... So it's your it's your belief that um, yeah they need need to stick at them or p- consider changing them yes. once that happens is yeah. that right yeah, yeah it is I mean I think I mean again uh, I think the team huddles are essential yeah. the regularity or when they occur might be the thing that you you look Change. at changing but but again as I said business is in competition every day mm. yeah so how do you set yourself up for success mm. today now. Um, that may be the team huddle, you mm. know. Individually, you, you kind of got to have an idea what 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 will success look like at the end of the day. You know, here's my diary, here are the things I've got to do. Mm. Uh, so either at the end of the day or again the next morning, it's time to review because mm. because yeah. that's all sport does. You know, sport um, plays a game on the weekend, you know, yeah. or the Heat played last night, you know, whatever, mm. um, and they get a result. Good not, or bad. N- not a very good one. <laughs> <laughs> good or bad. Righto, what do we do with that? 
you know, so we, we now we now review that yeah. individual, individually and collectively. We've got a game coming up in a certain number of days. Now we set ourselves up to prepare to give ourselves best chance of performance, right? Yeah. And that's all business people have to do, except it's day by day. You yeah, know, yeah, yeah. Business, like the world of business doesn't stop. Yeah. It, it's going. And, and so how do I set myself and my team up for success that day? And then how do I actually understand where we or were we not? What do we learn from that? How do we set it up again the next day? And mm. on you go. Mm. Mm. Yeah, that's very interesting. Um, so you speak about a 10-step process to coaching a team. And I guess, does that also apply to like the business as well? Like, can you go through that 10-step process for us? Or Yeah, yeah, look, same thing. Um, and again, I'm not here to say that the John Buchanan 10-step process is the only way, <laughs> yeah. but it, it was just a way. And it's not necessarily in chronological order, but there, there were yeah. all things that I needed to make sure that I ticked off um, for me to deliver on my principles, yeah. um, but also try to achieve that world-class status. You know, yeah. so, so firstly, again, um, it, it was making sure that I live my principles and values. Mm. Like going back to that notion of consistency. If I'm not doing that, mm. then I'm probably not getting anywhere. So yeah. I, I need to check in on that. Um, then it was really around uh, a couple of things. Firstly, uh, who are the real key influencers in the group? Yeah. And obviously... You know, in a sporting team, there's the captain, the vice captain, and a couple of senior players. Mm. So they're always going to be influential. Yeah. But I needed to find others. Yeah. That mm. that were in the mix, and so you know, uh, strength and conditioning trainers, or physios, or yeah. someone like an Andrew Simons who didn't have a formal role. You know, they they were yeah. all very significant influences. So I needed to make sure that they were at least on track with my thinking. Yeah. You know, uh, because they they were going to have conversations with players and mm. other people at different times, um, which I needed to know would basically reinforce where we wanted to be. Yeah. You know? So so that was important. I needed to understand my role, you know, my role, because it changes. Mm. It cha as I said, we lost to the Poms in, in 2005 and suddenly, mm. wow, you're not doing the job right. You know? <laughs> or, no. or we've got certain, we've got new expectations on you or there's a new contract. So you, you need to keep checking in on your role that you're actually delivering mm. um, on current expectations, you know, um, and and then the relationships stuff I mentioned before. One is about the person, mm. so not just the cricket athlete or the business athlete, but the person as much as they want to let you into their lives. But then also because they are a cricket athlete and they are a business athlete, and that's where they are at the moment, then you got to understand that person as well. You got to understand what they need, how they operate. Um, so mm. that they can be successful. Yeah. Um, then uh, we kind of move into the, um, you know, Jim Collins stuff, the, the, the right people on the right bus in the right seat. Mm. Yeah. And that takes time. That mm. takes time, you know, but it's so, it's so important that that's what we get. Mm. That's what we're aiming for all the time. Um, then, uh, you know, the other couple of things are certainly around, um, mentioned before, what does success look like mm. uh, for the group, for me, for the individuals? The politics is another one of the, the steps along the mm. way. How do you play the politics of the organisation or the team? Yeah. And you've got to work out whether or not you want to play it, Yeah. Uh, whether you're good at it um, or whether other people would play it on your behalf. Yeah. Just, just sorry, sorry to cut you yeah, off, John, yeah, just yeah. on the politics. Mm. I, I find that so interesting because surely... Surely everyone is in theory, like you always hear people come out and say, we're all moving towards one goal here. Mm. 
but like that's not always the case like particularly in large organizations you've got a lot of people there's only like there's a small few who take significant portions of the you know of the of the, of the salaries and wages and everyone wants to be them so how do you go about you know managing that as a leader when you've got younger like people underneath you who might feel slightly you know like aggrieved against t- towards you as a result of your successes like yeah. A, um, yeah. as a as a, as a coach and a business leader, how would you encourage leaders to make sure that um, their staff don't feel that way? Yeah, yeah look, um, not an easy not an easy question because every organisation has a, a, a certain way of being, mm. you know, a certain culture about it, um, uh, certain sort of connections and networks that operate in the business, mm. and. Um, it's important to understand, to try to understand them, find a way to understand them, mm. so that, in a sense, you're not stepping on pretty well landmines. Yeah. <laughs> and or coming back to your point about your own other people, you're trying to coach and mentor younger people in the organisation to understand what these landmines might be. So yeah. mm. you're always there to try to help younger people mm. through and manage the organisation based on your knowledge and your experience mm. as, a, as a leader. Um, and, and that can only be gained by time in the organisation, uh, by yeah. making some mistakes along the way, um, mm-hmm. making sure that you get good feedback from whoever your boss might be, from your peers, yeah. and you do that through just water cooler meetings these days probably the odd zoom uh coffee yeah you know uh, friday afternoon drinks yeah whatever it might be Mm. you gradually piece all the 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 sort of mosaic that operates in a intangible way Mm. and so therefore your role becomes important to help other people who are new into the organisation or being onboarded or indeed have been there for a while but but just keep triggering landmines. Yeah. You know, <laughs> to, to try to help them understand, well, really this is the way this place operates. Now, then it's up to the individuals to make their own choices because, again, usual story, you can lead horses to water but... You can't know, make them drink. No. So uh, you give them that, all that sort of support and information, experience and knowledge over to you then to navigate your way now if, you choose not to, well, potentially these are some of the consequences that mm. you may or may not face. I lead Will mm. to the bar and he seems to find a way to drink most of the time. So <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> normally on my card too. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. that's the way. That's the way. That's not true at all. It's never on your card. Um, yeah, no, thanks for the chat today, John. We really appreciate it. Um, your insights have been great and I'm sure our audience would, you know, very much appreciate your insights um, and your background with coaching and then also how that leads into you know business and, and stuff like that so we really appreciate your time yeah, yeah. thanks will thanks Charlie. Thank, really thanks sean really appreciate the chat yeah no it's been good thank you thank you for listening to the business off if you enjoyed the show please consider rating and following us on your chosen podcast platform linkedin and instagram as it helps others find us